Hello. Hey, Dan Benjamin Shamalama. How are you? Oh, um, I'm good. Good. I'm good. Good. I mean, I don't want to make this podcast about how I how I don't get any sleep, but other oh, than what that, happened? No, you got to tell me what happened now. Oh, what no, happened? It's all the same. It's all the same. No, I want to hear the details. Uh, the details are just that uh, that uh, my daughter's mother's been out of town for a couple of weeks, so I am on uh, like full time. Uh, get up at six in the morning to get her to school and, right. and stuff, and you know I have uh, I have this problem of not going to sleep until three in the morning, hmm. <clears throat> and the two lifestyles are crashing against one another like the waves of the Atlantic <laughs> crashing against the pillars of Hercules. Wow. They do not go together, and yet I I stand athwart progress, yelling "stop!" Right, uh, with my flaming sword lifted high in the sky, refusing to <laughs> let either thing, you know, refusing to compromise either thing. So, um, so I'm doing that like I got three hours of sleep thing, but day after day after day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and can't. You hasn't hasn't waking up early and not getting enough sleep. Doesn't that kind of make you uh, t- more tired in, in at night and more therefore more easily falling asleep earlier? Or are you just resisting it no matter what? Well, I feel like going to sleep has never been a question of whether or not I'm tired. Right. Going to sleep has always been a question of whether or not I'm ready and I'm never ready. So that it turns out strangely enough that, um, that you can, I mean, that going to sleep is so much more a, a condition of the mind. Yes, absolutely. And I don't have insomnia in that I don't lay in bed trying to sleep and, and find myself unable. I just refuse to sleep, refuse to even begin to consider to sleep. And I, so I wouldn't characterize that as insomnia. I would characterize that as some strange other thing, you know, uh, either, I don't know what it is. I don't want the day to end. I, I honestly, every night when I go to sleep, I think to myself, I wish I could, I wish that what I had, wouldn't it be nice if you had eight extra hours at your disposal to apply anywhere you wanted and you ha- you only got that eight extra hours once a week. Like every week you were allotted eight extra uh, earth hours and you could distribute them. Right. So if you were at like a super great party and you felt like you were right, you were right at the point in the party where it wasn't going to get any better than this. And it was immediately going to start. I mean, as soon as the first kind of like cool person goes up, oh, it's getting kind of late. I better bail. And then all of a sudden you, everybody in the room feels like, Oh shit, the party is like already in decline. <laughs> right. Yeah. If right before then you could like deploy one of your eight hours and be like, we're going to keep this, we're going to keep this party going for another straight hour of peak. Or in my case, if it was, if the alarm went off at six and you'd had two and three quarters hours of sleep, you could say, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to just burn three extra hours of my eight hours right now. I'm just going to, I'm going to take them. We're going to slot them in here. I'm going to use them. And then it's going to still be six in the morning. 
that would be great. And I don't understand why. I mean, this is a question to people who believe in God. If there's a God, why didn't God think of that? It seems like a really like logical maybe thing. maybe God did think of it and said, "No, I've got a better way," or "No, I'm just the way things are are fine." Show me the better way. I mean, it was it would have been up to God in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, and maybe this is the thing about UFOs, right? When they come down and when we're in negotiation with them, and they're like, "Look, we want to power our elaborate and incoherent system based on your." using your bodies as heat engines or whatever the fucking plot of the matrix is. Um, like use, use your body as the least efficient engines we can possibly as a, find. as a, a very inefficient battery in a, that requires tons and tons of resources to maintain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's our plan for you. What would you like in return? And we could say, that sounds great. How about eight hours, the eight hours per week that we can just like use at our discretion. That's what I'm looking for. Unfortunately, it, the world does not provide it. And, and my, my native state with myself is often to just say, well, whatever it was that <clears throat> whatever the requirements are of a, of like, uh, making it here in the world today, making it in the world today takes everything, everything you've got. You got. That's right. Yeah. Um, whatever, Whatever that is for today specifically, I'm just going to, I'm going to bail on for, for years. I would just, I would fully bail on an entire day and just say like, nope, nothing's, it's just not going, it's not happening. We're going to skip Wednesday. We're going to go right to Thursday, but I can't really do that anymore. I've got a lot of, I've got commitments I've got. And my kid is like a, it's a, she's a legitimate person. I can't just say. Sweetie, we're not going to go to school today right? Um, because daddy just doesn't feel like it. That just sets a bad precedent. And yes, it, it would. I mean, she might, she might not mind that. No, I mean, right. But, but it, but it establishes a kind of, I mean, honestly, when she was little, I still was living in that mode of like, well, I think we're just, you know, sweetie, let's just sit here and suck our thumbs. But, uh, but partly it is I've learned from her, like she's excited to go to school. She doesn't want to take a day off. Right. Um, because she's going to miss art class or whatever. And I'm like, right, right, right. I don't want to take a day off either. In fact, I've been, I've been working real hard, uh, to make sure that even though I'm taking some days off that, that everything keeps running smoothly. So I can't wake up in the morning now and say, I'm taking, you know, today's a me day. Uh, but I'm also like I'm flying pretty close to the sun here. And yeah, I you do, really I are. Do, with them. what do you get? Three hours of sleep is all you're getting. Yeah, it's not very good. But I do nap in the afternoons, and sometimes it's like a force quit, um, where just pages will stop responding, and I'm just I'm a spinning beach ball, and it's yeah. just like all right, all right, we got to shut it all down and and restart. And so I can because I can nap in a chair, and I can nap. Uh, for a discrete amount of time. And so I'll just like take 30, uh, just sitting up in my truck somewhere. And I'm sure if a policeman ever came by, that'd be exactly what they would want to see. Just like some random dude sleeping, sitting up in his truck. It doesn't, it seems like, Hmm, did he just get robbed (laughs) or, 
or what's going did he just like <laughs> did he buy some bad drugs and he's dying i mean i don't think a cop is going to go by that that setting and not feel obligated to stop and not to do up. something right because that's how they found the burglar that broke into my house kid was sitting that's right at, just sitting in his car in the front seat of his car and cop came over and looked in the window and there was like a meth pipe and the car was full of stuff and they were like knock 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 <laughs> hey can we see your license and registration all and, the stuff know, that you would expect them to have had if they were burglaring yeah I mean, first and foremost, all of my stuff, although <laughs> yeah. not to recap that story, but they didn't, you know, it took them nine months to figure out that he wasn't just a car thief. He also had a, the car was also full of things he'd thieved. We would like to thank LinkedIn Learning for sponsoring this episode. They now feature content from lynda.com, the leader in online learning for the past 20 years. LinkedIn Learning is for people who want to solve problems, for people who are trying to Achieve something new, improve their career, improve their skill set, make something happen. Maybe you want to take control of your to-do list or overcome procrastination or just get more done each day. Everything that you need to accomplish, whatever it is that you have set your goals on, your sights on, you can do that with LinkedIn Learning. I mean, they've got so much there. Boost your productivity. You can learn a new skill. For example... Uh, you might want to be doing a podcast. You want to learn how to edit a podcast. You can do that there. Maybe you just want to master Excel, right? Or figure out some kind of project management tool like Jira or uh, I guess really anything you want to do. I learned how to do Final Cut Pro all on LinkedIn Learning. I had no idea how to edit videos of any kind and I watched their videos. And what's great about it, and what I learned from going through this is that they're designed so that you can sit down and watch the thing from beginning to end, or if you're just looking to solve one specific problem or figure out how to do that one thing, you can jump into the course and get that answer and jump back out again. It's up to you how you learn, how you go through the courses. They're designed to be absorbed in bite-sized segments or as an entire thing going through from beginning to end. You learn at your own pace. They have transcripts for every video so you can watch, you can listen, you can read along. They've got quizzes that help you validate what you've learned and they've got unlimited access to every single course on there. That's how they do it. You pay one flat rate and you get access to everything, which is super useful if you find that you want to learn the beginning part and then the intermediate part and then two months later come back and learn the other thing because you just spent time learning Photoshop or Outlook or Excel or whatever it is. Access to everything as many times as you want. Watch them on your computer, your tablet, your mobile device. And we've got a special deal. 30-day free trial by going to linkedin.com slash road. LinkedIn.com slash road. It's all lowercase, of course. And you'll support the show and you'll get a free 30-day trial. And during that trial, you get access to everything. There is nothing to lose here. And uh, it's a great service. I hope you check it out. LinkedIn.com slash road. Uh, anyway, so but I, but listen, we spend enough time talking about my sleep hygiene and hygiene in general that I don't want to I don't want to feel like uh, locked into that. Yeah, sure. Things are going great otherwise. Super good. In fact, I was writing a song. Really, I have this unique situation. It's not unique at all. In fact, it's very common among songwriters. But I sat down to solve a problem, which was I had a song that was 
that was good and was three quarters finished. And what it needed was one more killer thing to just knock it out of the park. And then it would a be done and B be killer because it was off to a great start, but there were some problems in it. There were some viewpoint problems. There View, was viewpoint problems. Yeah. I mean, I, I spend more time thinking about this, I think, than um, it maybe is typical because I have a high standard um, for myself of what the sto- how the story of a song is being conveyed. Sure. And unfortunately, I spend a lot of time on this, and it, it's always in ways that, that, don't, that aren't clear to the listener, right? There you don't are, think that every- pays off? Hard to know. I mean, every one of my songs has an, an, a very deep backstory. There's a lot of word play and imagery that isn't isn't probably apparent, and no one ever knows what the songs are about. You know, there there there's all this tale about them that isn't really in them. It's just in the it's in the invisible. Um, membrane that in which they're encased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I spent a lot of time on that world building. Uh, maybe that makes the song, it certainly makes the songs interesting to me, but, but, um, I wish I were better at making that world building clear mm. to the audience. Cause you do get songs sometimes rarely, like for instance, old man by Neil Young. It's a great um, song. It's a great song, and he was he was very young when he wrote it, but it builds an entire world. And you don't, although there's a lot that's left out, you don't feel like there's an invisible world there. You get all the information you need. Like he's this young, rich rocker who's kind of like trying to stay connected to a sort of rootsiness. He's got an old man that works for him on his ranch and he's in some ways in a, in a like self-awarely callow way, kind of trying to make comparisons between the two of them. And, and he more or less succeeds because although he's young and callow, he's also smart and wise. And then it's also beautiful and catchy. And you just kind of go like, oh, hat tip to you, my friend. Because most songs, what they're about is either pretty evident or it's evident that the song is about nothing and the songwriter doesn't care. Right. Um, and I do, I'm trying to build that whole world that is in those great songs, but then I don't always find the language to show how much of a world I've created because I end up using very figurative language and it can mean a lot of things. And I don't, I don't find the specificity, uh, which I think is like a, like a somewhat of a flaw in my style. But so I'm, I'm working on this song and it has some very specific vignettes in it. And I'm, and I'm proud of the specificity of them because they, locate it in, in, in a real space. And there are two vignettes that interact with each other really well and convey a 
like the scope I'm looking for. Okay. And then the, the third vignette is sort of it's more like philosophical and less rooted in in events. And that philosophicalness is now less interesting to me. Probably 15 years ago, that would have been the thing that I that I I wanted to get in and wrestle with, you know, the like, what is the meaning here? And now I'm like, you know, you don't want to spend your time there. You want to find the way to show two people having a malted in a, in a truck stop and have that be the way that you communicate your big philosophical thoughts, right, not, right. not the other way around. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to dig, I'm going to dig around in there. I'm going to find a way to, to put that into human terms. And I started working, I started throwing some stuff around and I was like, you know, what if the chords kind of changed over here and made this like, like stand up straight. And I got a, I got a line or two and I was like, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm onto this. And I started putting them into some other chords and I was like, wait a minute, you know, is this a chorus? And so I started <laughs> thinking of it as a chorus and and took the words that I'd written to, you know, to replace this other more diffuse stuff. I took those out and put them over these new chords thinking like, I'll just, you know, like I'm getting completely out of this and into a chorus now that is, um, that's going to put this thing right up on its ear because if you notice, if you listen to a lot of not, this isn't true of, of, all of the music I write, but I do sometimes write songs in the format of um, A B A B A B C. Like the what bridge. does that mean to a to a non um, musician? Well, it's kind of like verse, pre-chorus, verse, pre-chorus, verse, pre-chorus, bridge, and the bridge just goes out, and that's and the song ends on the bridge. I don't do the I don't do the super pop thing, which is like short verse, killer chorus, slightly longer verse, killer chorus, really good bridge, chorus, out. Or really mm. good bridge, fraction of a verse, chorus, out. I do the, I do this other thing, which is, and, and again, it may be a flaw. It's It's slightly less gratifying, but it's, and often it's like verse, pre-chorus, sub pre chorus chorus that never appears in the song again <laughs> uh third verse before there even was a second verse like you know trying to reinvent the wheel anyway so i was working on this and i and it did become a chorus and it became a good chorus and it had some of the it had some of my like regular crimes it had like a a piano uh, piano rhythm that I default to. And so there was still, there was still room to, for improvement because, you know, you don't want all of your songs to have the same rhythm and tempo, but the lyrics I liked, the melody I liked, I try to, I, I worked for a while to evolve the melody into something complicated like David Bowie would sing. Oh, and then I realized that that isn't my, uh, metier. And I, and I did what I'm 
actually better at, which is kind of um, a more like not droning melody, but one that's that the vocals let the chords provide tension rather than like okay like a, a the great vocalists that managed to put like these wonderful wonderfully unlikely melodic leaps are like great bass players who do the same thing you, you know you'll listen to the brilliant brilliant bass lines where if you soloed them you'd think what is happening here like the bass is just completely all over the map but then in the context of the song you're like incredible amazing um but then there are the bass lines that go through the whole tune and and that's also great depending on the context and my vocal lines don't tend to be very acrobatic. So I, so I, I tried it. I, I worked over there in that room for a while and then brought it back to where it actually belonged. And I got this great chorus and then realized that this great chorus did not fit with the song that, that had, um, midwifed it. It just didn't, it just doesn't, it's not the same song. Doesn't even it doesn't resemble the song at all in, in feeling or, or, um, or color. And so I did the, I did the, the great thing, which is to sit down to try and resolve a half finished song and come out the other side with two half finished songs. And one of them has a kind of scar on it now Mm. where it, where it, where something beautiful happened and it got separated. So it's like, Oh, right. I still have to go back and work on that, on that verse. But now there's also a little bit of a, you know, there's a, um, hastily stitched up piece of canvas over the place where something interesting did happen, but, but didn't remain pretty tricky. You know, I'm playing a show, on Valentine's day in Los Angeles, California. And it's a piano show. A bunch of musicians are getting together and we're each playing three songs on the piano in the course of an evening. Yeah. There's probably 15 of us. And I wanted to have a song that no one had ever heard before. Oh, something brand new. That always feels really bold to do at a at a show like this to just be like this is the first time I've ever played this song, and and so I was working on this tune like I'm going to pull this off, you know, I'm going to show up at this and like have a new tune. Sure. Uh, and now I feel like the clock is kind of running out on on whether or not I'll be able to deliver that. But what will your fallback position be if you can't? Pull that out. I mean, I have three. I have at least three long winter songs that I can play solo piano. I don't want to do the thing where, I mean, I, I recorded a cover of ZZ Top's Give Me All Your Lovin' right. on the piano for Starbucks one time five years ago or longer. Um, 
at a time when I had a lot of friends working at Starbucks and they were putting out compilation records and it felt like, yeah, sure, that's easy. You know, it's like a turn to give me all your loving, which is already a creepy song when you think about it. Uh, What's which what makes it creepy? It's been a while since I heard it or thought about the lyrics. Um, well, it's definitely made more creepy when sung as a slow jam piano ballad. <laughs> okay. Um, but let's, let's just take a look at some, uh, give me all your love and yeah, lyrics call, here. Call up the lyrics. Uh, we've got some, uh, I've got to have a shot of what you got. It's oh so sweet. You got to make it hot like a boomerang. I need a repeat. Uh, you got to whip it up and hit me like a ton of lead. If I blow my top, mm-hmm. will you let it go to your head? Um, and then you've got to move it up and use it like a screwball would. You've got to pack it up and work it like a new boy should. Um, and so when you sing that over some like real like dark slow jam. Yeah, I could see that stuff. getting getting a little weird. It gets a little hot in the room. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I did that. I I play, that was one of my like uh standbys for a while until some I forget what it was somebody, some person, not musician, but some other show person said, "Yeah, you know the 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 joke wears a little thin on that tune." And I was like, well, you know, the, the thing about it is it's not just a joke. Like you're a, you're a comedy person. So you think that things are jokes, but this is also just a song. It is possible to just listen to it and enjoy it as a musical event. Um, I know you get the joke of me doing, give me all your loving in this way. Right. Uh, and then you feel like, got it, move on. But it's like also a tune. So you can just like sit there and mm-hmm, listen to mm-hmm. the tune. But I do feel like, I guess, over time that I've done that enough. But I'll, uh, yeah, I'll come up. I better, now that you mentioned it, I better think about that. I better get good at playing three songs because that's not, that's not always as easy as saying it. I mean, something, you might have to pull some out the last minute. Oh, well, that's my, that's my, uh, Raison Sane. Yeah, yeah. We have another sponsor we would like to thank. It is Brook Linen. Brook Linen. They make some awesome sheets. You know what? You spend a third of your life in your bed, in your sheets. You should make it count. Instead of uh, that uh, kind of worn out, old, junky sheets that you've been using, the junky bedding that you've had, get something new. It'll reinvigorate your bed. It'll make it seem like a new bed. So why not check this stuff out? They make really, really high-end, I'll say it, luxury sheets available to us at regular prices. If you look at the reviews, they have over 12,000 five-star reviews. They're the fastest-growing bedding brand in the world. Why? It's simple. They're really great sheets. I have a set and they are the best sheets that I have. I was expecting them to send me and be like, okay, well, they're pretty good. They're not pretty good. They're amazing. They're awesome. In fact, they won the best of online bedding category by Good Housekeeping 
you're getting the picture here. They're really great. Oh, the uh, they got their their all season down comforter was rated the number one best comforter by the New York Times Wirecutter blog. I mean, they're really really good. I love them. Yeah, I think you're going to love them too. Brooke Linen, L-I-N-E-N, brooklinen.com. They have an exclusive offer just for you guys. $20 off and free shipping when you use the promo code ROADWORK, one word, at brooklinen. Let me say that again because it's cool. $20 off, free shipping. Promo code is ROADWORK at brooklinen. And they offer a 60-night satisfaction guarantee. You've got 60 nights to sleep on them. And if you're not like blown away, guess what? Full refund, risk-free. And the only way that you can get the 20 bucks off and the free shipping, though, is to use the promo code ROADWORK at brooklinen.com. Thanks, Brooklinen, for making this show possible. Uh, what's going on with you? Oh, other than uh, the incredibly <clears throat> warm office that uh, that's happening here, everything is status quo. Mm-hmm. Status quo. Uh, so what is the status quo? Um, pretty, pretty chaotic, very busy. Um, a lot of too, too many, too many things happening at once, but I am, I am excited about the, the shirts that I made. Did you, are you a football fan? Um, am I a football fan? Do you enjoy watching a football game or Super Bowl or anything like that? Did you enjoy the Eagles game, the Eagles victory over the Patriots? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think, can you think, you I'm going to take that as a no, because either you, most people, like if you, it's kind of like, yeah, I saw it and it was greater sort of what you're saying. It's mm-hmm. not really like, there's not really an in between. It's like either you saw the game and you, you know, that was a thing for you or you were just sort of passively, oh, it was on in a bar that I was at while I was meeting with a friend having coffee. Yeah, um, I guess the latter. Yeah, I mean, my dad loved football, and um, and so I grew up um, surrounded by football. I'm a little distracted because I said raison scene, and I meant <laughs> mise en scene. <laughs> Well, mes- you know, it's not, it's not my job to correct you, but I think, uh, you know, so we were anyway, all a little to worried those about of you that. who were like sitting there just with your ears <laughs> throbbing at my, uh, spoonerism, uh, right. whatever my French spoonerism, um, my dad took me to football games as a kid. We would go to the Washington Huskies and sit in the cold rain and watch football. And we would go to the kingdom and watch football. And uh, my dad loved basketball and we would go watch the Sonics play and we would go to YMCA's and sit in the bleachers and watch just pickup basketball games. My dad would just, he loved to watch just pickup basketball happen in gyms wherever we were. Um, Up until the mid seventies, he would, I mean, up, up until he was in his mid fifties, he would jump into any basketball game he saw. Um, and then he actually had his first heart attack on the court. Oh God. Like, you know, grabbed his chest and fell to the court. Oh no. Um, basketball in his hands while I sat as a seven year old in the stands <laughs> oh, God. going, is my dad okay? Uh, 
I don't, and I don't think that is what traumatized me out of sports. I think I, I was just naturally born to be a comic book reader rather than a jump into the basketball gamer. Right. But he really wanted me to love uh, sports, college sports, first and foremost, and then professional sports if no college sports were around, and um, and a hierarchy of sports. Right? He he supported sports teams in a geographical set of circles emanating from Seattle. So he would he would root for Cal over Arizona. But he would root for Oregon over Cal. He'd root for Pullman over Oregon. But Pullman were his arch enemies because he was from Washington. He was like UW. All of that, I understood it. But I just felt no kinship with it. And I live in a culture here where a lot of my friends are sports fans. You got some, some fairly good teams there in Seattle. We do. And we have, I mean, I, there are some rituals in my, in a couple of my friend groups where there are big parties around sports events for a long time. My good friend, Jason Finn said that he, he would just called me yesterday. Did he? We talked about you. You guys are fun. I like you have a he bromance. Got a, he got a new Omega and he wanted to talk to me about it. Well, it's not new. It's I think from the fifties, sixties. Yeah. New old, new old, new old and new to him beautiful and uh he wanted to tell me all about it but he would have a big super bowl party every year and at one point i said to him how come i never get invited to your super bowl party and he said can you name one of the two teams playing in the super bowl this year (laughs) not even not even who's the quarterback of of no just name one of the two teams and i and i was like why does that matter and he said it is a requirement to get invited to my party that you be able to name one of the two teams. And then the following year, a Super Bowl came around and I was like, Hey, am I coming to your Super Bowl party? And he said, name one of the teams. And I had forgotten that was a requirement and I couldn't do it again. And so then it became a, a gag. Eventually I did. I was able to come up with one of the teams, but I guess that year he wasn't having a party or something. I never got invited to his party. But there are other parties. I have been to other Super Bowl parties. Uh, I was only aware that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl this year, I think, during the Super Bowl. Hmm. I happened to walk past a television somewhere and looked at it and was like, huh, the Philadelphia Eagles made it into the Super Bowl? That seems like an event. And I don't like the Patriots. No. Well, no one even, does. Even not caring about football at all uh, because I've spent enough time in Boston to know that Boston sports fans are like a, like a human crime. And then <laughs> the Patriots beat the Seahawks one time in a way that felt to me like a, you know, one of those, like the Seahawks snatched defeat from the jaws of victory kind yeah, of moments. Yeah, sure. Uh, that felt like, oh, why are we rewarding these guys? And then it turned out they were cheating and had the, and were deflating the balls and all that stuff. I mean, they just feel like, bleh, bleh on them. And so then I was very interested in watching the citizens of Philadelphia 
riot in like, like joy riot. Cause that's the kind of thing I may not like football, but I love a good joy riot. Oh yeah, sure. This I one, I mean, and this is, this is the kind of thing that's been, we've, we as Philadelphians, um, have been wanting and hoping for this and praying for it uh, for, I mean, forever. We've never had a Super Bowl win. What? You're kidding. The Eagles never won a Super no. Bowl? No. How long has Philadelphia had a football team? Since I think 33? I would have to double check on that. Um, so the Eagles aren't some expansion team no, like the Jaguars. No, 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 no. Philadelphia Eagles go all the way back. 1933. No kidding. As a replacement for the bankrupt Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. <laughs> uh, but yes, this was um, this is in the early, early days of the NFL. Um, and I'm looking to see. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 1933. Wow. So mm-hmm. this was a long time coming. This is like some kind of Red Sox event yeah kind of i mean we'd been this was our third super bowl and this was a big deal for us and of course it it, you know we had this great season coming out and it was such an amazing season up until carson wentz quarterback uh tore his acl oh i've had that you tore your ACL? I did. That's a bad injury. Yeah, it's uh it's a really bad injury. Uh and so he's out for the season, of course. And that's really bad because he was our main quarterback and our second quarterback. Um Nick Foles is one of these guys that you know, to be a good quarterback in the NFL, you don't need to be amazing. You just need to be consistently good. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that you have a quarterback who's consistently good. You have them where they're amazing some days and horrible other days. Mm-hmm. And the trouble with this was uh, he, he is sometimes amazing and sometimes not great. And so we didn't know which Nick Foles is going to show up. And then he, in, in some of the games, now we had already gotten to the point where we were doing so well, we were like the best team in the NFL. And, uh, and so, you know, not to make this all about football, but long story short, he, he got hurt at the worst possible time. Mm. And so Nick Foles comes out and he plays a game and it's good. And he plays another and it's not good. And he plays another and it's good. And we're like, oh, this again. We got all the way to where we're actually looking like we're really going to make it to the Super Bowl. And as Philadelphians, we're used to this. We're used to having any kind of victory or glory stolen from us. Yeah, isn't that awful? This is like, we're just, we're ready to do it. But. And just to clarify, you grew up as a fan of the Eagles and are a fan of football. Yes. I mean, and if you, Philadelphia is, or Philadelphia, as we used to say, and I've worked very hard to eliminate my Philadelphia accent when I, uh, moved away from there because people did not understand me and I felt very self-conscious and I've effectively lost all of my Philadelphianisms when it comes to speaking. I say mirror instead of mirror, I say down there instead of down there. 
mm-hmm. I can still do it. I still understand it. I still speak that way when I'm around my relatives, but I have, uh, I've changed that. But yes, when you grow up there, sports are very much like a religion and you absolutely believe that your team, regardless of who you, first of all, universally people like the Eagles and the Phillies, maybe not the, the 76ers, you know what I'm saying? Like that you can, but if you live in Philadelphia, especially if you're born and raised there, like when it's football season, all the kids in school are wearing the Eagles t-shirts. All the kids are wearing the, you know, the baseball caps when it's, uh, when it's, baseball season like you just that's universal and you see people in the streets walking around and it's very very much uh bred into you and it and you know my my father my grandfather both enjoyed watching the games i went to eagles games and phillies games growing up and it's very easy when you're surrounded by all of that to get very passionate about it and i think that the eagles fans are some of the most passionate uh, football fans and there's lots of stories whether it's throwing batteries at santa to whatever else that uh, demonstrate this that um that wait a minute y- throwing batteries at santa is a way that philadelphia fans express their well, faith in their team y- y- yes um let me find there's actually an article i was just reading because um there some somebody was asking me about this recently and they wanted to know more um what was the was philadelphia's uh, the place where the disco sucks rallies were held. I think so. That sounds familiar yeah. to me. Um, so anyway, there I'll, I'll put this in the show notes cause we don't need to spend time, but there was, you, you know, Santa Claus got booed. I mean, lots of bad things happened in, especially in that earlier time period, but the, the fans are so rabid that they actually had to build a courtroom inside of the Eagle stadium because there was so much, fans had got, become so rabid and, and would get so worked up that they would inevitably wind up hurting each other. And uh-huh. instead of having to go back and forth so much to, I guess, whatever precinct was there, wherever they take, they actually had a small jail and courtroom built inside of the Eagle Stadium so that when you did, they would just bring you down there and they would actually hold your little trial right there in the little courtroom inside of the, uh, anyway, Passionate fans, passionate fans. <laughs> so I remember a uh, er, er, very vivid early memory is being going to a Phillies game and there was a guy there that uh, was just, he was standing there th- throwing up popcorn, like coughing up popcorn coming out of his mouth. Haunted me. Anyway, uh, they have uh, such a passion about this game. So the fact that we never won and the fact that it looked like this season we had a real chance. We had a shot. We had a great quarterback, consistently great quarterback. We had a, everybody was healthy. Like we were just going into this. And then injury, ah, oh, they're going to take it away from us again. Mm. The, the frustration. But then he started playing good. We, we went up against the Vikings for the NFC Championship. And destroyed the Vikings. Destroyed yeah, the Vikings. Destroy those Vikings. Which is great because that's my father-in-law and my brother-in-law's team. So he had to, oh. you know, put them to bed. Mm-hmm. And was there? Was there? Now, trying to get a picture of of your uh, your family dynamic. Were you like shit talking on, on text? No, I don't that? do. I don't do that. There was no shit talking. No, I don't do that. 
So you destroyed your father-in-law and brother-in-law's team, but, but engaged in zero gloating. Yep. Zero. I don't believe in that. I don't do that. You just knew that they were twisting in the wind where they were and got satisfaction from it. Great deal of satisfaction from it, but I don't need to make it worse for them. And they, they, I did not text them at all. Mm-hmm. And my brother-in-law texted me in like the third quarter and he's like, Hey man, great game. I'm like, Hey dude, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. And he's like, yeah, it is kind of over. I'm like, it's not over yet. And then when it was but over, it I wrote him back. I said, great game. It, you know, that's so all. So you were conscious. This is the thing you were, because I've been in that situation this. too many times and it sucks. I don't want someone to do that. That's a story of, of being an Eagles fan, but you were sitting across the country from one another, hyper aware without having spoken. Well, he's down the, He lives in Austin. Oh, he lives in Austin. Yeah. And you know that you're watching the game at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, this is the thing that I think is wonderful about sports, sportses, uh, which is that you know the people in your life who are absolutely watching the game. It's not a thing where, oh, I couldn't catch the game because I had because the, the kids were riding their bike or whatever. It's like, no, the game is on and we're all watching it. We don't have to text each other and say, are you watching the game? And so you can send cryptic little messages back and forth. Like, yeah. Can, can you believe it? And the other person knows exactly what you're talking about. Uh, I get, I get caught in, in threads like that sometimes where people will, friends of mine will mistake the fact that I am watching a game and all of a sudden I'm on a group text where people are like, Oh man, we was robbed. And I'm like, what are we talking about? What's going on? Is the is there a subpoena or something? And it's like, oh no, they're talking about a game. But I'm I'm astonished that the that the um, the etiquette in your culture is that there's no. I mean, you're that's from no, no, that's not the etiquette. That's my personal. That's my personal choice. Every everybody would be trash talking. That's. My but, personal choice to, to but do they that. don't tra- trash talk you if they had won. No, they, they do. Of been, course they do. Oh, they would have been trash. Of course you they would. Of course they would have. Oh, I see. Of course. So you're the everybody I know. Of course you uh-huh. have to, you have to be, there has to be a, a standard. You have to set a standard. I see. I see. You have to set so, an example. So in a way you are twisting the knife a hundred times harder by not gratifying That's, them. By that, yes. I'm not going to drop to that level. You win, you win, you win, and you win with class. They just have to sit there knowing that you are gloating, sitting atop your magic egg and not even gratifying them by like being a dick about it. Right. It's, uh, that's a psychological terror you're inflicting on them, Dan. Yeah. But I mean, look at, look at what happens when we win the NFC championship, uh, in, in Philadelphia is they go completely berserk. I don't know if you saw the videos, they destroyed the city. The city's destroyed. They destroyed it. They yeah. were hopping on, uh, on uh, up these, they have the light posts. And in advance of this, the police were out with Crisco coating the lamppost's ah. to prevent people from climbing it. They climbed them anyway. Ah. They climbed the walls. They destroyed windows. They, it, was, it was a riot. And that was the NFC championship, not the Super Bowl. That's Let leading- me explain to people who have never been to Philadelphia... Um, Philadelphia is already destroyed. Uh, was <laughs> destroyed a long time it's ago. It's better than it used to be. And continues to self-destroy at every opportunity. When was so, the last time you were there, to be fair? When was the last time? I'm in Philadelphia all the time. 
I was there. Let's see. I was in a. I was in Philadelphia for a handful of days in two thousand and fifteen. Okay, so pretty recently. So you you yeah. still feel that way? You don't feel that it's turned around a little bit? Philadelphia has turned around a lot of it. Okay, but it's one of those American cities that underwent urban renewal at the worst possible time uh, during an era when urban renewal was uh, was thought to be synonymous with like tear everything down in the center. And so there's a there's this huge sort of hole in the heart of Philadelphia where there once would have been a, a bustling like city center there's now sort of six different little centers and none of them interact with each other and the way the freeways were built was really insensitive i mean a lot of the crimes of the mid 20th century were visited upon philadelphia and and um so the way the city interacts with the river now is very confused uh and then of course out on the edges of philadelphia there's like genuine East coast urban blight that it will be decades before some of that stuff, some of those neighborhoods out around Germantown or whatever that you just drive block after block and every single row house is burned, burned to the ground. Right. Sure. Um, I mean, that stuff's like, I, I, it's as fascinating an urban landscape as the center of Detroit, uh, to see what happens to a city. If you, if you make the wrong decisions, but uh, but I also love it there. I love, obviously, the people of that crazy place. And also, it still it feels like you can do things in Philadelphia that you can't do things. You can't do the same kind of things in New York. You know, you can you can still like start something in Philly, and then just hope that I mean, start something and then cover it with Crisco and hope that the other people around you don't burn it to the ground. Which well, is the Philadelphia story, right? It really is, and uh, and so the 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 mayhem that went on there, you really get to see like how bad people in Philadelphia and from Philadelphia wanted this. I mean, I remember when we won the um, the World Series, uh, the first time. The I Phillies? think yes, uh, the first time. It was against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, no, that was the most recent time in 2008. And the second time, the first time was 1980. So by the time that I was celebrating the win in, in 2008, I remembered being a kid and enjoying that in, in 1980. But this was the first time for the Eagles. This is a big deal. Big deal. So... I don't even remember how we got on this topic, but it was a very exciting, very exciting day. My son, who's 10, uh, also has been more and more. I've, I tried to encourage him to watch and be interested in football or baseball, but especially football at a very early age. And he just only in the last year or two has he kind of his mind open to it. Has he become interested in it? And so, of course, I said, like, like, dude, we're in the Super Bowl. This is a big thing. He's like, no, I'm really excited. So we got, you know, special food. We picked up barbecue. We got wings. We did the whole thing. Like we had the, the whole thing. We had a great time watching it. 
And of course, it's, you know, it, it's, it starts in the evening. So he's getting to stay up now an hour, hour and a half past his regular bedtime mm-hmm. to watch it. And we're here and we're watching this thing. And it's down to the wire. And I'm like, it, it could go either way because as you know, as a fellow uh, Patriots anti-fan, uh-huh. you know that they have this tendency to play eh, and then at the last minute come back from behind and, and pick up the lead and in the last you know minute of the fourth quarter score 20 points winning it. Like this is what the Patriots do. Yeah, that's uh, that's very frustrating. It's just how how could they be more of a jerk? Well, that's how they they figured it out. That's how they'll do it. <laughs> so now, are you yelling at the TV and stuff? Do you do you sit with your hands politely folded in your lap, or are you like, oh man, and like throwing Cheetos around and stuff? How I don't, th- I don't do throw any food, but I get if it's an Eagles game, I get fairly. Uh, fairly emotional when things happen in the game. And it's one of the only times that I actually express that kind of emotion outwardly. Um, but I get, I get very like someone, someone, you know, drops a, you know, fumbles a ball or drops a Oh Yeah. I get very, very upset about that. I mean, do you weep? No, I mean, not in a regular game. I wouldn't weep, but at a, I mean, I'm not going to say that it, at the end of the Super Bowl, when we won, I was I was in sh- I was in absolute shock. I was staring at the screen. I saw the the timer count down, and I kept just looking at the score and looking at the the zero left on the clock. And you see everybody in the stadium starting to like party, and the confetti starts coming down. But like it didn't it didn't register for me. It didn't click for me. I like I couldn't I couldn't process. I couldn't process it, John. And I was just looking at the screen. And my son starts like getting excited. I'm like, why the hell is he getting excited? And I, I, I it finally like it started to like set in that the Eagles had won the Super Bowl. I couldn't, I like, I couldn't believe it. And my wife comes over. She's like, why aren't you like jumping around and go, going crazy and screaming? I'm like, I just, I can't believe it. It was, it was surprisingly emotional for me in a way that I could not have anticipated that it would be because like, yes, I've watched every single Eagles game that they've played in regular season in the postseason for as far back as I can remember. Hmm. Wow. But I just like, it was, it was a very emotional moment and I, I just was like almost surprised that I was feeling that about it and it took a while to sink in and then, like, two or three hours later, I was like, oh, my God, like, we won the Super Bowl. Like, we really won it. And the next day, I woke up, and I'm like, we won the Super Bowl. Like, it was all I could think about. It was great. And you're living in Texas, so you don't have anybody that you can, like, run out into the street. No, there's no, and- no, no one's in the streets. No one's caring. If There's one bar that's not a great bar that does Eagles games. I've never been to it. But they always make a big thing out of where God the Eagles game. I, I've never gone to it. I suppose I could have for this, but I wanted to have a good time with my son. I wanted to be with him. Did you wear a jersey like two days later, or did you put on a hat or something? To yeah, I got all, I got that? all that stuff. I got, but I had to get all new stuff. I dumped a 
small fortune on all the championship stuff like a sucker. But did you, I mean, is it a thing where you wear it out in public hoping to attract okay. the attention of a fellow? I used to. Uh, but then um, I, st- I stopped doing that because I, on the one hand, I didn't, I didn't want to draw atten- too much attention. I also... Why I f- not? Because I don't want to talk, I don't talk to people. I don't want to talk to strangers. I don't need to talk to strangers. And they, right. people come up to you and then now they want to have a conversation. Right. But what if it's about your beloved Eagles? Well, the, here in Texas, it's not going to be like another Eagles fan. It's going to be a Cowboys fan. And I got, uh, I got tired of that. First of all, I respect the Cowboys franchise. Uh, yeah. That's fine. They used to be America's team, you know. Not, not anymore. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Thank you for bringing that up. No longer America's team. Mm-hmm. Uh if there is America's team, it's the Eagle, but not the Cowboys. Anyway, everyone here is a Cowboy. If they, if they pay any attention to the NFL, they're Cowboys fans. Most mm. of the time, pretty much universally, everyone here is a Longhorns fan, including me. I love, love Longhorns games, UT. But most people are Cowboys fans. And it's not, it's not like it is in Dallas where if you were dumb enough to wear like an Eagles jersey around downtown Dallas, like people would get upset and they might even pick a fight with you. Dallas is awful. Uh, because just the fact that you're wearing any other no, team it's or because the Eagles, there's a rivalry? There is a, yes, there is a huge rivalry. In the NFL, there are, there are several rivalries that I'm sure that you've heard of, but Eagles and Dallas are one of the bigger ones. Really? Why? You know, I think there is a specific game um, that... Uh, that that kicked this whole thing off uh and i think it goes back to like the early late 70s early 80s and i i think disrespected somebody something like that and there was there was something where um they made the cowboys wear a cursed jersey or something like that I'm going to have to look this up. I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. But they had to wear like a cursed jersey because when um, the the Eagles uh, got to, they were the home team, if I'm remembering this right. They were the home team. And when you're home team, you get to choose what jerseys you wear, the light ones or the dark ones or whatever. Mm-hmm. And whatever their choice was, it made the Cowboys wear the cursed blue jerseys. Why are they cursed? Well, this goes all the way back to Super Bowl five. Uh-huh. Um, which, uh, the which, Super Bowl of the cursed Jersey. That feels like a, a yes. Hardy boys book. This is back into, I think this was 70, 71. Um, where then only the fifth one of these things and all the right. Colt, it was, I remember that it was a Colts and Cowboys, but I'm gonna have to look this up what the score was and where, where it was played and all that stuff. But I think they wore the blue jerseys in that, and uh, because of that, the jerseys were cursed. Um, and so anyway, I, I, I may be getting this wrong. I'm not a Cowboys person. But anyway, so th- this, I think, was what kicked off the rivalry, but there's always been this very big rivalry between the Eagles and the Cowboys in my lifetime. I, I always remember this as pre-existing. Okay. And so... 
Uh, so it's like wearing a, a Yankees hat in, in Boston. Yeah, exactly. And so this, uh, this is the situation. And if I were to wear that in Dallas, you know, you might get in, in trouble. But still here, no one's going to, no one's going to like physically assault you here in Austin because you're wearing an Eagles jersey. But again, I don't like, I don't want that kind of attention. I don't need to talk to people. I don't know. So I don't really do that anymore. Um, but like if, if it's a big game, if I'm watching the game, my son's there, we might, you know, put the jerseys on. I've got a picture I'll, I'll find for you that I'll send to you of me and him when he was really little in, uh, in the jerseys. I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, but so we win this game and it's, it's amazing. The next day I wake up, I'm still in shock. And one of the ways that we won it, what makes this so interesting is that the, one of the plays that happened in this game, have we lost every listener? Do you think right now? Well, I mean, it's the, the, the number one question is cause there are a lot of people that are just, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Venn diagram overlap between people that like sports and people that like other things. You know? Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think it's 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 too easy and facile to say that sports people are a kind of thing. Yeah. Because I don't think they are. Sports people are everywhere. I'm always surprised and and um and amazed when I discover that sports people it's not that they've infiltrated other things, but like indie rock, particularly late nineties indie rock, seemed like the last place that there would be that there would be overlap with sports. But in fact, sports people are throughout indie rock. Right. So no, I think there are pl- probably plenty of people listening to the show who are, who are delighted that we are talking about football and, and you're personalizing it. So I think that that is also enjoyable. Okay. It's enjoyable for me. All right. So you were saying, uh, yes. So, um, there's this one play in there. And the play, it, it's, you don't, I don't want to get into the details and the integrity of the play, but basically what it did is it used the quarterback as like a surprise receiver. And uh-huh. you had, uh, you, you, you had a very strange formation. And of course the Patriots b- blundering around on their side of the line of scrimmage had no idea what, what the Eagles were doing. The, the, uh, the, the, the lineup looked weird. It looked weird. It had a quarterback in a strange position, and he just sort of like almost he, he, he sort of trotted over once the play began. He sort of trotted over to the side in a way that like it looked like he wasn't doing anything. It looked like nothing was going on. Uh-huh. And, and, but they used him as a receiver and chucked the ball to him. And lo and behold... He runs it in for a touchdown. Now, this was not at the end of the game. It wasn't. uh, It was uh, second quarter. But this play was so strange and worked so effectively that they started calling it the Philly only that night and the next morning called it the Philly special. And Uh it turns out that this uh, this play is a play that they it's typically run in like high schools. And Uh in fact, Nick Foles, the. the second string quarterback uh, went here in Austin uh, to Westlake high school and they run that play in Westlake high school. I'm not sure if that's where it came from or if it was a coincidence or whatever, but this is a, so this play exists. It wasn't invented by them for this situation. However, 
It doesn't get used in the NFL. No, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's ever been used in the NFL before. Long story Love short, it. they use it. They, they, they get an extra, uh, they get a touchdown out of it. And, and you could say that that was, you know, what set them up for the win. Do you think that that got inside? This is the thing that always intrigues me. Did it get inside the head of uh, Peyton Manning or whatever? Do you think it like it? it of course it, it did. It fucked with them a little bit. Like what? It, the, what if, the? if Peyton Manning had had been playing in the game, oh, I'm is sure he a different character. He's a whole different person than than Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady. That's the one. Yes. So it got inside Tom Brady's head, you think, or or the people that are over there on that side? Well, you know, you hear Tom Brady before the game, uh, you know, it's just a regular game for me. I'm not really feeling the, you know, the excitement of uh, of this or anything. It's just more of, uh, you know, just a regular game for me. I'm just going to go out and, you know, play. It's just not, not exciting. Do you feel like that's a diss? Yeah, of course it's a diss. It's, oh, it's, okay. uh, it's, it's a total diss. It's saying that... Um, that you know that you you eagles are 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 crap he doesn't have to bring his a game because no. it's just, just or, no, or 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 it's it, his game is such that it's always his a game and oh that's even worse you know yeah okay so they run this this they run uh, this like, great play called the philly play. special so the next the next day i wake up in the morning i'm talking to my son we're talking about the philly special and he says something like um, I want a t-shirt like that with the, you know, the play on. And I said, I, I looked and there were no t-shirts like that. And I said, okay, I'm going to make a t-shirt and I'll just get it printed up just for us because there's a place in town that does t-shirts. You know, they do like massive t-shirts and you can have like a one-off printed and things like that. And I was looking into that. And I said, you know what? I bet you, though, that if I, if I do a good job on this T-shirt, that people will want to buy this. Maybe I could sell sure, like 30, sell 40 of them. of them. Well, a few I was hoping for. And so I reached out to a buddy of mine who lives here in Austin, and I sent him over a picture of what, you know, how they have the football notation with the X's, N's, lines, arrows, things like that? Yeah. So I... Uh, I, I sent him over that and I said, of course, we can't use that. You have to redraw it. I said, but could you make it look like chalk, like on a, on a, on a, on a chalkboard? Good idea. And I'll put it on like a nice emerald green t-shirt and I'll make a little site and I'll see if there's a response to this. So I put the thing up there, just a picture of the t-shirt. So I paid, you know, I'm paying him to, paid him to do the design. He's talented, super talented. So he, he's like a hand lettering guy. So he did the hand lettering. It said Philly special hand lettering. He does that. Mm-hmm. And then, and it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. And I'm like, I can't believe this shirt is crazy. I want, I want like 10 of these for myself. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I put this thing out there on just a little page and I use, you know, tiny letter, the little like sign up and do a newsletter in like five seconds kind of thing. There's no frills free. So I put a little tiny letter thing. I put notify me when these are available within like half an hour. I had like a hundred people who are, who are saying I, I will buy one of these. Yeah. I, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So I said, all right then. And I set up a little Shopify. They're not a sponsor. Shame on them. You were like back up the money truck, but I'm like, yeah, let's see if this works. So I, I set up a Shopify store. I called my buddy over at the, the t-shirt place here. And I said, 
I'm going to start doing these shirts. And he's like, good, yeah, you should definitely do the shirts. So I put this into, into motion. I tweet about it. Uh, as of right now, we've sold like 700 of these things. Well, you're fucking kidding me. No. Damn. 669 as this moment. Dan. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's phenomenal. I can't believe it. Wow. So now I'm like, I want to get to a thousand. Philly special. You want to get 10,000. So it's, I'll put it in the show notes in case we have some Philly listeners, but it's Philly, Philly special.net. <laughs> wow. Philly special.net. Yeah. Come on, Dan, get out of Dodge. I know I'm excited. I'm excited about it. And, 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 and I told my son yesterday or at the end of the day yesterday, I said, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to be getting one of these shirts after all. Cause I told him like, don't get your hopes up. If we can't get a hundred, I probably can't get them printed up. And, and he's like, how many did you sell? I'm like, we sold almost 500. He's like, what? So wow. here comes well, I mean, time to get one for all his friends too. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'll, uh, I'll put all this stuff in the show notes. That's fantastic. But it's exci- what this a great is very- story. So today I'm sitting at lunch and watching it. They, uh, at the restaurant, they had uh, the ESPN on, it was showing the parade and I started to get all nostalgic about the, about Philadelphia and I wish I could be there and I'm not, I haven't been there in so long and. It's an emo- uh, emotional roller coaster. So there's a parade, you're saying? Big you're parade watching- going on right now, yeah. Oh, oh because man. after we won, if you thought we destroyed the city at the NFC championship, they really just, dis- they were, they went, they smashed like all the windows. They jumped up and down on top of the Ritz Carlton uh, awnings and destroyed those. They brought, instead of climbing the lampposts, the light posts, they brought, they brought them down. They tipped cars. I mean, but it's the weird thing is like, I understand all of this. Like as if, like I understand why they're doing it at the same time. I'm like, why are they doing this? Why do you destroy your own city? Well, I'm they sure spray that- painted, uh, like slurs against Tom Brady on, on trucks is great. I'm sure that earlier on in the show, when I was sort of speaking about the way that Philadelphia has is somewhat dismembered, I bet you there, there were some people that were like, Hey, Hey, but you really have to acknowledge that given the opportunity, yeah. the citizens of Philadelphia will burn their own town down. Yes, they and will. To, both to celebrate and express, I mean, to express almost any emotion. It's, it's one of the ways that Philadelphians expressions express emotions. Yes. One way is that they cover, they cover their food with salt, uh, until it is just salt. And then another way is that they, um, they go across the street and they burn down their neighbor's house to celebrate. And the neighbor is like, thank you. Or I don't know, maybe if the neighbor's you, they don't even, they don't even give the person the satisfaction. Right. Sure. We would like to thank Squarespace. Now it is their turn to make this show possible. Turn your cool idea into a new website, showcase your work, blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, promote your physical business, your online business. You can even use it to announce an upcoming event, like a, a wedding or a big birthday or a party or something cool, like a birth of your little child. Anything that you want, because they have beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They've got built-in e-commerce. You can customize everything without doing HTML or CSS. You just slide little sliders and toggle little toggles and click little buttons, and all of a sudden, boom, you get a site that looks like nothing else you've ever seen, and it's awesome. Built-in SEO, analytics, 
You can even buy domains on Squarespace. There's nothing that they can't do. 200 domain extensions that are available there. So go check it out. 24-7 customer support and they make it, make it really easy. It couldn't be easier. I'm telling you. Squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the promo code ROADWORK. ROADWORK. One word and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Could be for a website. Could just be for a domain. It's up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You have to decide. That's the whole point. Squarespace lets you have the power to decide. They can run with that. Thanks very much to squarespace.com. Promo code ROADWORK to save 10%. Uh. Yeah, I had a, you know, uh, Jonathan Colton's wife and her sister once made me a t-shirt that had the, like a football plays thing, except it was all the movements of the troops on Omaha beach. Oh, interesting. They one-offed it. And I thought for sure that was a shirt that would sell 700 copies, but, um, it had exactly zero other copies except for the one that I have. I have the one, the one only copy of it, but it's because I guess D day doesn't have the same sort of rabid (laughs) fan base. Right. There's not as many people, you know, talking about it. Yeah. Well, I'm so thrilled for you. It was a big day. It was a big day in that, in the house and we couldn't have expected it as shocked. And uh, and is it a thing now where, like, everybody's going to be coming for Philadelphia? Or are you guys going to have to stand? I, this no. is the other thing about winning the Super Bowl. Do you then have to stand atop no. the Super Bowl and defend it every year? Or is it just like, we did it, fuck you. Yeah, that's it. Mic drop. Yeah. Um, wow, amazing. Yeah, we don't have to do anything else. It's, you know, because you, you have teams that are consistently good. You have teams that make it, you know, like the Patriots, the last time we were in the Super Bowl, we lost to the Patriots. Oh, so, so yeah. Well, do you think that this is the end of the Patriots? Can we, can we finally put them to bed? Well, I mean, there, you know, we can hope, we can hope. I, there is, um, there, there has been talk that Tom Brady would uh, finally retire. People are waiting for this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's overdue. And he's washed up, but you know, we're, um, we can hope that he'll finally retire and, um, and that would be nice. Uh-huh. Um, this will be the, that would be, a, that would be a, a, another sort of additional gem in the Super Bowl ring for Philadelphia. If it, if this was the Super Bowl that forced Tom Brady out of football. Yeah. That would be you guys lovely. Would really? You guys would really, you just have a little black X on all your Super Bowl rings. That'd be awesome. Are there super fans in Philadelphia that are recognized as the super fans? Like, are there a few people that are, that are celebrities by virtue of just loving Philadelphia? It would seem. That's everybody in Philadelphia, I think. Yes, that's right. You know, I, it, it always surprises me that, that, um, that teams don't like find some rabid kook and make that person like the fan mascot. But I guess you're right there. You have so many people to choose from. It's, yeah, it's everybody. The, you know, it should be like a, like a big overweight guy with his body covered in paint, wearing a hard hat that has two beers connected by tubes and, 
you know, like your your football fan, your 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 stereotypical like crazy football fan. Yeah. Or is that am I just describing a guy that goes to all the Seahawks games? No, I mean, I think I think there's there's always, you know, I don't know what would like I remember when I went to when I lived in North Carolina briefly. Um, I used to go to the uh, the basketball games there and um, the Tar Heels games. And there was a guy in there. I went with a buddy of mine who like had season tickets. And I always thought of him as like a super fan because he had the season tickets. But there was a guy a few rows in front of us, older dude with, you remember those headphones back in the day that they were big squarish like beige headphones with like a green ear pad on them and they had an antenna and a radio built into them but the antenna was like the extending antenna like you're you know like you would have on like a like a portable radio where you like telescope the antenna out by pulling the end of it you know what i'm talking yeah. about and, oh, and yeah, for it, sure. yeah it, it had those in the in the headphones and the guy would he was you know, a few rows in front and he was wearing these with the antenna up and I said, well, what's he doing? He said, oh, he's listening. He's listening to the game by the local radio commentators. Yeah. And I mean, my, I, uh, that's a thing that happens at uh, Seattle Mariners games. Right. Uh, fairly regularly. In fact, I think your boyfriend, Jason Finn would uh-huh. <laughs> often listen to the game while also at the game scoring the game. Yeah, I mean th- I think when you're in that category you qualify as a, a super fan for sure. Yeah. Uh but my friend said no, I'm not a super fan. That's a super fan. Right. Right, but then there's always some fan that's more of a fan than that fan. Yes. You'll it's 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 never it's it's fans all the way down, right? There's you never <laughs> yes. get to the bottom. That's right. of the most the most fan that is a thing, you know, when you ask me if I'm a football fan, I, I, I've said it before. I even, I think I wrote an article one time for the Seattle Weekly, although I can't remember what things, what topics were topics I wrote articles about and what, what weren't. But I don't have that uh, mechanism in me to the fan gene. I'm not a fan uh, full stop. I went through a time period after college earlier in my career for a while where I didn't, you know, I mean like if an Eagles game was on, I would watch it, but I was, I had sort of fallen out of the fandom aspect where I wasn't, I wasn't really interested in that. Uh, and then kind of got back into it. But I think, you know, it's it's weird because there is very much in the in the geek sphere there. It, it's you can't really talk about sports people. There's a lot of like it's a distasteful thing. You know what I'm saying? Like that that the idea that you would like be interested in football is somehow contrary to or actually be like like it or like a sport that it's somehow contrary to. And, you know, you have the whole um you know, the sort of sports ball mentality, the, um, Oh, we, you know, we did this and it's sort of, it's sort of this, we're making fun of sports. And I, I was horrible at sports as a kid. Um, I was not ever picked 
anything but last for any sport ever. Not really. Really. Um, yeah, how, how are you with a Frisbee? Um, I mean, I used to, there was a, a neighborhood dog. I used to throw the Frisbee and it would it could it leap. It could leap like, I swear to you, six feet in the air to catch it. I love those dogs, but I would never let one touch my Frisbee. Well, it was a hit. It had its own Frisbee. See, that's how you do. I would come up. It would come up with the Frisbee and I would throw its own Frisbee. And then when it was done, it would leave with the Frisbee. Remember how you spent that day with a dog? Oh, that's so great. I wish we had more dogs like that. Did it have a, a, a handkerchief tied around its neck? Uh, no, just a collar. Uh, you know, really, the uniform, if you're a Frisbee dog, your uniform is a red or blue handkerchief tied kind of loosely around your Yeah, neck. no, that's perfect. And its nickname would be like Bandit. Oh, Bandit. Or Cody. Come on, Dan. This yeah. is, you're just You're just describing my childhood now. Yeah. But you're telling me that you and your pals, and you know, and I'm assuming that you had a little gang of pals. Did yeah. you have a gang of pals? Yeah, yeah. You guys never threw frisbees. We had a Nerf football that we would throw around, but frisbee wasn't really where I grew up. It wasn't really a thing. I don't think that's a northeast thing. Just like affogato isn't a northeast thing. <laughs> well, I used to think that. Um, I used to think that the Grateful Dead was a very definitely not an East Coast thing because it's so West Coast. The Grateful Dead is everything about the Grateful Dead is just like so West Coast. But then when I got to the East Coast the first time and realized, I mean, and it was the mid 80s when the dead was resurgent. And I realized that there was an entire other universe of East Coast deadheads that believed that they were the people. They were the fans of the dead. Mm. All these deadheads from Philadelphia and Long Island. And I was like, what are you talking about? You don't, like, you don't even know the language. And they replied, hey, what do you mean? The fucking language is, yeah, the dead, man. <laughs> and I was like, that's not how we talk, brah. But I soon found out I was the one that was wrong. There are a lot more deadheads on the eastern seaboard, um, and there, and it's a completely separate culture, deadhead culture, which produced Fish and produced all those weird bands from New York, like the, the Blues Traveler and whatnot. It all, all came right. out of this weird like, East Coast deadhead thing. Um, so, although you think that there's no frisbee culture in Philadelphia, I just I, wasn't aware of it. That's what you're saying. I wasn't aware. There. Of it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably like all kinds of hippies playing frisbee in their in their thongs. Oh, I'm sure. Well, when I when I grew up with it, uh, it was not a um, it was not a thing that was in my in my sphere. Mm -hmm. So, can you throw a frisbee? Yeah. And can you catch a frisbee? Um, yes. Have you taught your children to throw a Frisbee? No, they're not interested in that. Well, it's the type of thing where you have an obligation to teach them it, even if they don't like it. Because being able to throw a Frisbee, like being able to throw a ball. They've done it in school. They've thrown Frisbees in, around in school. What? Yeah, they do. You know, they do all, they throw everything around. I mean, when you ever I was, seen, you ever seen in the gym, 
when the coach comes out and he's got like a bag, a giant burlap sack bag, and he grabs it from the bottom and he dumps it out and you get basketball, soccers, footballs, frisbees, little racquetball, everything comes rolling out of it. Like that's, and then you just eventually you wind up making your way and there's, well, I guess we're playing frisbee because they got the, you know, those guys got the kickball. So we're doing a frisbee. When I was in school, elementary school, I think all the way probably through high school, um, frisbees, at least in my neck of the woods, were not considered just bland toys in the bottom of a school bag. Our coaches had those bags full of shit too. Yeah. But Frisbees were counterculture. They all had the stink of marijuana on them. (laughs) So when my coaches dumped out that bag, it was like at the bottom of the bag were horseshoes and, and uh, like, I don't know what to chase a hoop down the, I mean, the I main thing for us was the main game that we played as a kid growing up was street hockey because oh, we, street. we lived, we were in apartment complexes. We didn't have like, there was not very much open grassy areas in the city, but what we did have were apartment complex parking lots and, you know, cul-de-sacs in the, in the, you're not cul-de-sacs, but like dead end streets, you know? where you could play. And so street hockey was the thing that we were always playing. Not stickball. Nope. I don't even know what stickball is. Well, I thought that's what people on the East Coast did in ye olden times was play stickball. Yeah, but that's that's where you're you've got a stick and you're hit, whacking a ball or like a mock baseball thing, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, I think that's from New York and Philly, but I never played that. It was always street hockey. Okay. All right, street hockey, yeah. Well, you ever tennis- played street hockey? Well, you know, we're from Alaska, so we just played hockey. Right, and real, I the, real, the, the real hockey. Yeah, and in the, in the summer, I think we played, I mean, often just hockey in the street with a puck. Yeah, we, we, that's what we did. It was with a, oh, you'd have some old beat-up hockey sticks and a puck that would be skidded around and and that's it yeah and then you'd get in a fight and need someone get hit and then it'd be done street hockey yeah philadelphia is such a weird place but i think stickball i think if you were to go and and ask people what game do you play in the streets they would all say stickball i never played stickball but see that's probably maybe that's because i was so bad uh at at other kinds of sports and that the amount of skill that it required to hit a ball that was flying at you with a stick that's smaller than a baseball bat. Uh I just had no hope. So maybe that's, you know, maybe the fact that the, the puck would be on the ground and that I was being short, I was very close to the ground anyway. (laughs) That, you know, that maybe the street hockey was what I gravitated to. Well, tell me now, as someone who never got picked for any sports never, teams, never, how, last, how, how every come time. that didn't turn you against sports? Ah, uh, because I loved, I loved watching the games. I always enjoyed that. I enjoyed the slow, steady pace of uh, of watching a Phillies game. I enjoyed the excitement of. Uh, you know, of, of an NFL game, my granddad, especially because my, both my parents went to Penn state 
where we're always watching the Penn State games. I mean, it, I don't know why, but I guess because just, you know, maybe it was because I couldn't play it uh, well made me appreciate what they were doing that much more, made me marvel at it. You know, perhaps the same thing that people feel when they watch the Olympics, uh, that, that you're watching people at, you know, peak, peak athletes do something that most of us would never have any hope to do, but we kind of wish we could or would enjoy that we could. And, and interestingly enough, um, I cannot abide soccer at all. Wow. Okay, no all right. interest in soccer. I mean, like, I would rather go to the dentist. It's just not, not a thing for me. And the Olympics, I'm fairly neutral on. I appreciate the athleticism. Uh, and I appreciate the difficult road that it takes to get to the Olympics, of course. But when it comes to really watching them, I don't, there's not that much there for me. Um, I'll watch them, but it's, people always come away marveling in a way that I, I don't, it doesn't, uh, I don't connect with as much. But soccer is, and I know I'm like, America is this pocket of the world that doesn't appreciate soccer and and within that pocket i'm a deep deep unappreciator of soccer very deep i just it's you know i played soccer when i was a kid and that was something that even though i'd be picked last for it that i could i could participate in because again i was low to the ground but man i had a hard time with football i remember there i couldn't catch anything I couldn't throw anything. I was too small to block effectively. I was useless, completely useless. And, uh, and there was one time, I'll tell you, there was one time I, I, was, I had become at this point, and it wasn't that I was not athletic and, or whatever. Like I could, I could run and I could play and I enjoyed being active. But I just had no, I had zero skill. And... I was always the smallest kid. I was always the shortest kid. I was always the nerdiest kid. Wait, the nerdiest kid? Absolutely. The nerdiest? Yes. No nerdier kid than you? Not in grade school. Wow. And in high school, high school began the rebellious time period when I shaved my, the sides of my hair into a a sort of mohawk and wore combat boots and wore black every day. And then I found my found my zone uh but prior to that um yeah it was it was not good and so i remember there were you know i hated pe because i was constantly being picked on in pe constant constant picked on and the coach was one of those coaches who you had the same coach year after year after year he's sort of like he thought it was kind of funny like he's not going to mess with the jocks because they're playing basketball and they're playing football in the in the high you know in the junior high or whatever like he's not going to give them a hard time you know if they pick on danny a little bit like it's not hurting him uh and i just i just hated i hated to dress out i hated to have to participate in this and get picked on every time and the coach knew it and so one day they're out playing football and i'm like you know the last time i played football i got pegged in the temple with the football and i got sat I, I, nailed by two guys at the same time really hurt like i just don't feel like going out and playing again and i'm sitting on the bleacher and uh with my friend mike who was probably legitimately sick his dad was a delta airlines pilot and he was like sickly. And 
uh, and the co- and the coach said, "Come on, you need to get out there." I'm like, "I really don't. Want, I really don't think I'm going to get out there." And he's like, "I'll tell you what. I'm going to throw you a pass, and if you catch it, you can go back in and dress out." I'm like, "Really?" Huh. He's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "All you got to do is catch it." Now, his story was. He was an NFL football player, but he sort of, he didn't make it, you know, like he, he made it onto a team and he was probably like a backup player and always on the bench. And then after a couple seasons, like, but that was, I think he was played for the Miami Dolphins or, or almost played for the Miami Dolphins. He was like backup squad or something. Mm-hmm. So he, he intimately knew how to throw football. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay, you run out there, you run down to the 20, cut right. Like, right. my right or your right he's like my right go to the right okay so i just start running out there everyone's laughing I'm like there's no way i'm gonna catch this but like at this point it's just another day it's just another day of humiliating pe so who cares so i run out there i cut right i turn around i look up the ball's coming at me i stick my hands out and i catch it i've Yay! never never caught a ball before so i was very excited about that and I ran it back in. As I'm running back in, I chucked it at the coach and I kept running, went back, dressed out and chilled out for the rest of the time. It was like the only cool thing that ever happened to me at all until high school. And uh, I, I, I remember that vividly because it was this little taste of what I think people who play sports are feeling on a regular basis. Like... He threw the ball to me and I caught it and I did something good. You know, that was my one moment to like experience something good surrounding sports. But no, I, I just didn't answer your question. I think I just enjoyed, uh, I just enjoyed watching it maybe because I couldn't participate quite so much. But, um, but I just, I always, I think I, I think growing up around it, I just had more of an appreciation for it, but none of my friends in the, internet cosmos none of them uh seem to be interested in in sports at all none of them and i i feel like in some cases i don't know about all of them but in some of them i think it's because there is that intimidation because they had a shared experience with me of being the kid that was picked on in school or being the kid that wasn't good at any sports and that did drive them away like you said you know that drove them away from Instead of liking it, they hated it because they couldn't do it. Uh, instead of finding enjoyment in it, they pushed themselves away from it. And, and it's almost like they deride it now. It's like, oh, that's for jocks and people who are dumb. Like, sorry, I'm over here on, you know, like writing code or doing Twitter and like that's, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah. there, there seems to be like a, uh, it's, it's looked down upon. And there, there's a disconnect there. Whereas all my other friends who are not internet nerds like me, that we, we can talk about sports all day. I mean, it sounds to me like that coach did you a tremendous favor. He had you catch that one ball. <laughs> yeah. And maybe. changed your life forever. Right. And all of the other sad internet kids that have to hate on sports so hard, they just never caught a single ball. <laughs> 